Welcome everyone. Today we're doing a podcast on traditional finance to decentralized finance and the reason being that today is the day the fourth module of our completely free crypto course teachyourselfcrypto.com launches and we wanted to do a video on connecting traditional finance to decentralized finance and I know it's a more necessary thing to learn for most people who are not from a finance background like me because you have to know what decentralized finance is actually replacing. It is one thing to learn how decentralized finance works and what it's doing and what all the protocols are and what the product categories are. But if you cannot relate it to what the existing banking system is and what the traditional finance system is already doing, then you cannot connect the past to the future and your understanding is going to be half-baked. So today we have with us Ash, uh, who is also our beta student, and she helps us make sure that the course is beginner-friendly. Hi, Ash. How are you doing? Hi, Harsh. I'm good. Um, I've learned a lot from Teach Yourself Crypto, and I'm excited for this new module because I think it's a... Uh, it's really important for people to learn about decentralized finance because it's the future and I'm excited to be recording this. I'm glad to have you as well. So for people who have already watched the three modules before the fourth one, which have already been released, this video is for you. And for people who haven't watched those three modules... I will not be explaining basic concepts like Ethereum and smart contracts again because that's already covered way before. So please go check them out. Please check the first three modules out before you watch this. But if you want to continue, I think you should be able to understand most of the concept without it anyway. So firstly, a little bit about our course. TeachYourselfCrypto.com is a website that's going to teach you about Bitcoin, Ethereum, decentralized finance, smart contracts, ENS, NFTs, tokens, privacy coins, and everything crypto. It's completely free. I highly recommend checking it out. We've been on this for about almost a year now, Ash. I think we began in March. And I think... Yeah, it's been... Yeah, it's been almost I mean, a when, year. When we started, I knew nothing about Bitcoin and Ethereum. And... You know, during the course, I learned so much about it that I now write for crypto influencers. So that's really cool. Mm, you know, even I did not know much about crypto when I started. And the intention behind Teach Yourself Crypto was that I was going to learn about crypto because it's so interesting and so important. And I decided to make a course to help everyone else as well. So that is how Teach Yourself Crypto was born. It's just a bunch of self-learners who are trying to figure out the whole thing and helping you guys learn as well. And this module in particular, Module 4, Decentralized Finance, this is the longest module and by a long shot. If you combine the first three modules, those three modules are about 33 hours of content. But Decentralized Finance is 50 hours. So this is bigger than the rest of the course combined. And it took us a very long time to make. So we would really appreciate you guys hitting the like button and giving us a sub sub subscribe just to show your support. Anyway, so let us begin into the world of TradFi, that is traditional finance, and we will help you connect it to DeFi. And this video will not be explaining all the technology, of course. It's just supposed to be a quick 
lattice work or a spider net video where you are able to relate to the future topics that you will be learning in the module four. So here we go. Traditional finance mostly begins with the banking system and let's first understand what a bank is. If you take someone who has money already, what does he do with the money? He can either keep it under his mattress or keep it in his wall and just watch it. But preferably he would like to use the money to make more money. And there are also people who don't have any money, but they want to start a business or something so that they can make more money. And there's a mismatch here. There is a mismatch here. There's a guy with money who doesn't have any idea what to do with it. And there's a guy without money who wants to do something with it that is productive for society and is going to make more money. And that's where a bank comes in. What the bank does is that it allows the person with money to deposit money in the bank. And then it goes out and it lends the money to the guy who wants to start a business. The guy who does the business is going to make a profit, let's hope. And he's going to pay an interest to the bank for the funds he has borrowed. And a portion of that interest will go to the guy who gave the money. And that's how lending and borrowing is done in traditional finance. And we have the same thing in decentralized finance. In decentralized finance, we have things like Aave and Compound. And what they do is essentially the same thing. They take in deposits and they give out loans to people who want to take a loan. And of course, these loans are entirely collateralized because it's still a developing system and we haven't figured out a way to do under-collateralized or uncollateralized loans yet. But you can still get a completely collateralized loan with DeFi. It's completely trustless. You don't need any KYC. And it really cuts out a lot of the whole banking system risks. So for example, in the current banking system, if the bank just goes under, there is nothing you can do about it. Or if the bank starts making unreasonable demands of you like KYC or whatever else, you just have to comply because the bank holds all control over your funds. And in DeFi, you have complete control because you know what the smart contract and the code is doing. So you can say deposit 100 ETH and get a loan for, say, 50 Ethereum worth of a different cryptocurrency like Chainlink. So if you can give collateral, you can get a loan of anything you want and you can pay an interest on that loan and get your collateral back. It's a very simple process. It's completely trustless and you don't have to take anyone's permission. There is no regulatory authority trying to basically make you do use this compliance like KYC or whatever. So it's a very cool thing. The next big product category I want to cover are exchanges. And exchanges are basically in the traditional finance world what you know as stock exchanges or currency exchanges where you give one asset to exchange it or you know to convert it into a different asset. So if you take NSE or BSE or NASDAQ, you might send in your USD or Indian rupee to the NASDAQ exchange and they will exchange your rupee for say a Google stock or whatever you want to purchase, or you can exchange your Google stock or whatever stock you have and get say your USD or your fiat currency back. So they are essentially converting one type of asset to another asset. And we have the same thing in decentralized finance. We have something called decentralized exchanges or DEXs. And what they do is they also take in one type of cryptocurrency or token and they exchange it 
for you to a different type of cryptocurrency or token. So if you have, say, Chainlink and you want to exchange your Chainlink for DAI or BAT or whatever, then you can go to something like Uniswap or Bankor and then send them your Chainlink and they will send you your BAT back at the price you agree upon. And the way this is different from traditional finance is that you don't have to trust the exchange because the exchange or Uniswap is just a bunch of code that everyone can see. It's on the Ethereum blockchain and you can make sure that you won't be cheated. In traditional finance, you have no such guarantees. So you might send money to your broker and your broker might just run away with it. Or your broker might start asking you for too much documentation or the, the broker might even refuse to open an account for you. So you need permission from the exchange and the broker. You have to do KYC, which might get rejected. And it's more cumbersome and you have to trust them. What if you send your money or whatever to the exchange and the exchange doesn't send anything back to you? Or anything can happen. And in DeFi, you don't have to worry about any of that. It's all decentralized. You have smart contracts running in the background and there is no one who, no one can change the rules of the game on you. So this is how we have basically taken a big product category from traditional finance, which are all the stock exchanges and currency exchanges, and put them on decentralized finance. And we've improved them to be trustless and permissionless. So anyone can use it at any point of time, and no one has to trust anyone else. They can be guaranteed that if they send in, say, their chain link, they will get a particular amount of bat back in return they don't have to trust anyone the next big product category is derivatives which are futures and options and i won't be getting too much into futures and options of course because it's a complex topic and all of this is covered in the course in a lot of detail but the basic gist is that just as you have futures and options in the traditional finance world you have futures and options in decentralized finance where you have the smart contract essentially creating features and options for you. So you can have trustless, permissionless trades. And they're still figuring out a lot of the technology. So this is in the nascent stage, but there are protocols like Synthetics and OPYN and Dopex, which allow you to trade options and features in a decentralized way. The next big product category is fund management or asset management. And this is a very big product category in traditional finance. And what happens is that let's say that you're a rich guy or a rich girl or an institution and you have a lot of spare cash lying around. What you can do is you can give your money to a fund manager and this fund manager is going to invest the money in your behalf. And he's going to give you the returns of what the investments have made. And hopefully they're positive. But in exchange for his work, he's going to take a small fee. And that fee is his pay and you get to keep the returns. And we have essentially products that do the same thing for decentralized finance. But the advantage of decentralized finance is that you don't have to trust a fund manager to do the smart thing. You can pick a protocol which is doing the strategy of investment that you want. And it's going to trustlessly do that strategy over and over again through the smart contract. So you might have, say, a buy and hold strategy or a 50 cash, 50 investment strategy or whatever else. 
And the protocol you can check out for this thing is called token sets or set protocol. And it's completely decentralized. It's You don't have to trust a fund manager. You know what the smart contract is always doing, always doing. And you always are aware of the strategy that your funds are following. So you, you don't run into issues where the fund manager did something he was not supposed to, like take a risk that you did not want him to take or not invest money in the way you wanted him to invest. Um, Ash, I think you had a question earlier you mentioned. Yeah, so I know a little bit about fund management and isn't most of fund management discretionary? And how do you expect um, like the smart contract to adapt to changing market conditions? It doesn't. It, the smart contract will only do what it's coded to do. But you can always always withdraw the money. So for example, if you don't think that the strategy is going to be profitable anymore, then you can withdraw the money from the smart contract and then put it into a different smart contract which has a different strategy. Or you could put it into a smart contract which is programmed to switch strategies appropriate to the situation. So smart contracts like this exists and people who are into asset management and who made the smart contracts on set protocol, they have essentially made the smart contract to be able to figure out what is the most optimal strategy. And of course, these things come with risks. Let's say there's their idea of the most optimal strategy was not correct and you might lose money or it might not work as well as expected, but the smart contract does have the ability to change its strategy because you can code it however you want. And the way it works is that whenever someone puts in money or withdraws money, the code in the smart contract is run and it updates the entire strategy again. So if you had a strategy which said that 50% of the USD value would be in Ethereum and 50% of the USD value is in Chainlink, then let's say the price of Chainlink goes up. So ideally what, what, what should happen is that the smart contract should sell some chain link and buy some Ethereum to maintain the 50-50 USD value ratio. And when someone either deposits money into that smart contract or withdraws it, it's going to update the code and it's going to run the entire code and it's going to update the balances. So the smart contract will go to a decentralized exchange, like the ones we mentioned, like Uniswap earlier. And then it's going to exchange some chain link. It's going to send the other smart contract chain link. It's going to get back Ethereum in return. And all will be good. It's gonna be. It'll, it'll keep following the strategy. And every time, some as more and more people withdraw and deposit money into the smart contract, the faster these changes can happen, and more you can stick to the strategy. I see. So I think that's called rebalancing. So it can just rebalance itself. The smart contract. That's great. Correct. So Wall Street is really set to be replaced by lines of code. I see. <laughs> Banks are zeros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The next big product category is decentralized payment technologies. And of course, you can already send decentralized payments with Bitcoin or Ethereum. But the aim here is to make transactions fast and cheap and to add more features to it. So in the traditional finance world, you don't have to wait 10 minutes for making a transaction like you have to do with Bitcoin. Or you don't have to worry about confirmations. You just send money, it's there. And what the aim here with decentralized payments is to make the same thing happen, to make transactions very cheap or almost free and to make them very, very fast. And of course, to add more features to payments. So for example, you might have a transaction 
that only goes through if certain criteria are met or you might have there there's for example there's a technology called payment streams done by this company called Savlier and what payment streams allow you to do is to pay people by essentially in real time so if you hire a consultant you in the traditional finance world you will have to pay them by the hour and let's say within the 15 the first 15 minutes you realize that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about you've still paid him for an hour and then you've lost the money but wouldn't it be nice if you could have a system which pays him by the millisecond so when the session with the consultant starts you can start paying him by the millisecond and if after 15 minutes you decide not to hire him or you know i don't i don't want to continue the session you can just stop and then you can only pay him for the amount of seconds used so all of these innovations in payment technologies are happening in defi and they're there to make payments smoother cheaper faster and give you all sorts of features that are not possible in the traditional finance world the next big market we're trying to cover are decentralized prediction markets and for those of you who don't know what prediction markets are they're essentially making bets on some variable in the future so for example we might have a bet on who is going to win the next election is it going to be trump or biden and what you can say is that if i if trump wins then i get a dollar and if biden wins then you get a dollar and in the world of traditional finance these bets sometimes get paid out sometimes they don't so for example your friend might make a bet with you but if he loses you might or might not see the money and in many cases you just do not in decentralized finance you don't have these risks so you if you make a bet and you will first pay up the smart contract and the other person will pay the smart contract and you don't have to trust any one the smart contract is going to send the money to the winner and there are oracles which will tell the smart contract what the real event that happened was and you don't have to worry about getting paid and the big advantage of why decentralized prediction markets exist or let's go with why centralized prediction markets exist is because they give the market a lot of information so for example if let's say that you are someone who doesn't know what the probability of trump winning the election is you can go to the prediction market and actually see what the probability is so if the price of a 1 dollar ticket so for, for example if trump wins the holder of this ticket will get a dollar is say 60 cents then the probability of trump winning is 60 cents and these prediction markets have proven to be far more accurate across the board than any polls or whatever because there's real money involved and people who have actual information about the market are able to price that in for example if you see that the chances of trump winning are 60% that is you can buy a dollar ticket for 60 cents and you know a lot of politics you're a political pundit and you've been tracking this for a while and you know that the chances of trump winning is actually 90% then you can buy these tickets and make money with it so you can buy the ticket at 60 cents and when let's say that trump does actually when you get a dollar and you can make money and what happens in this process is that since you have bought these tickets the price of these tickets are going to rise let's say it goes from 60 cents to 80 cents because you you will buy in a big quantity correct and what this does is that it signal to the market that 
there is more confidence in Trump now. So you have made money from the prediction market, but you have also added information to the prediction market that you have increased or you have made better the probability that was being reflected in the price of the tickets. And these ticket prices have been historically more accurate than anything else. So if you take, say, juice prices for orange juice, this has been a very good predictor for something like the weather or the climate next year. Because the people who are growing, I, I would say the people, I'm just assuming here, but the people growing the oranges, they are they are making like bets on how the in, climate will be next year. And depending on that, what the price of juice will be. And since the, there's actual money involved, they don't have an incentive to lie or, you know, try to delude themselves into believing something that's not true. Simply because they will lose money if they do so. So decentralized prediction markets are doing the same thing, but they're doing it in a decentralized way. You don't have to worry about getting paid because the smart contract is the trustless. You will get paid. And you don't have to worry about the other person not having the money to pay you because you have to pay up front. You have to buy the ticket. The smart contract will take the money and then you get paid out from it. The next product segment I want to cover in DeFi is lotteries. And I know everyone here already knows what a lottery is. And basically, we have the same thing in decentralized finance. And here you get all the advantages of a traditional DeFi application. That is, you have a smart contract and you don't have to worry about getting cheated by the lottery company. You know that the prices are going to be fairly distributed. And you know that you can't be cheated because you can see the actual code. But there's another advantage that comes with decentralized lotteries. And for that, let me tell you a little bit about how traditional lotteries work. Let's say that a million people buy $1 tickets into a traditional lottery. So they've given the lottery company $1 million. But that's not all used to give away rewards or the victory price is not going to be $1 million because the lottery company has costs. It has to pay the shop which sold the ticket a commission. It has to pay all the marketing expenses for the lottery. It also has to make some money because it took all this risk and did all the work. And normally, I think about 50% of what is collected is actually given out as rewards and victory prizes. So if you if a million people spend $1 and give the lottery company ideally a million dollars, only about $500,000 is what will be the price. But in decentralized lotteries, in decentralized finance, there are no such costs. So all the money that was deposited in the smart contract can be given out as the price. And that makes the systems more efficient, more trustless, more permissionless. Anyone can use it. You don't have to worry about getting cheated. And you do, your money is not being wasted in all the costs, commissions, and profits for the entrepreneur. Whatever money that was put in is going to be distributed as prices. And the protocol, one of the protocols that's doing this is called Pool Together. You can go and check it out. And of course, it's covered in the course completely. So decentralized lotteries are luckier then because <laughs> you get all of the money. Yeah, the probability is actually one in the sense that, not exactly one. What I mean to say is that if you put in a dollar, someone else is getting a dollar and that someone else is someone who bought a ticket and not some guy who's running the management or selling the ticket. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's very efficient. What happens in a casino or wherever else is that if you're playing the game again and again and again, you are going to eventually end up with no money. But here, if you're playing the game again and again and again, the idea is that you will end up with the same amount of money that you started with minus the gas fees or whatever. Oh, I see. Interesting. The next big product category is, of course, decentralized governance. And I won't be getting into the depth here because that's covered in the course. But the idea is that if you are participating in a particular protocol like Uniswap or whatever, if that protocol has to be decentralized, then it it can't be the situation where the guy who is developing the protocol gets the entire say in what the protocol does and how it's going to be developed. So the idea here is to give the people who are using it, the community, the ability to vote for what changes they want to make in the protocol, what they want to remove, and what they want to add. And that is what decentralized governance in a nutshell is. So it gives the community or the holders of the governance token the ability to vote for protocol changes or amendments to the product. And there are some products out there which help do this. They help create this voting system. And that is like a, one of the bigger ones is Argor. Then there's also Snapshot. And there are, this is still a field that's being fully explored. We don't have this completely figured out yet. And that there are a lot of flaws in coin governance. But the future involves the pr- protocol governance token holder to be able to actually make real changes and to be able to vote on what they want to see the protocol do. So if you take a real company in traditional finance, what happens is that as a shareholder, you don't have a say in what the company is doing. You just get to essentially vote for a board of directors and those board of directors are the ones who are making the actual decisions in the company. But in a decentralized system here in decentralized finance, you don't really need a board of directors. If you hold the governance token, you can directly vote on all the changes you want to make. And of course, there are also systems where if you don't want to do all of this, you can delegate your vote to someone else and things like that. So this is entirely a system where you get to own the quote-unquote company, which can be the protocol like Uniswap or Pool Together or Omen or whatever other thing you're doing. And you can you have a say in what the protocol's future looks like. And that's what makes these things decentralized. Because if that wasn't the case, then it wouldn't be decentralized because the guy who basically owned the keys to the main smart contract, the product, wouldn't be calling all the shots. So here, this this makes the system fairer and decentralized. So... I really think that DAOs are the future because if you think about it, if you wanted to start a company with somebody in the US, it would take like months to get through the red tape and all of that. But with DAOs, you can like get it up and running in like 15 minutes. So that's that's a really cool feature. And that, that is why I think that it's going to definitely be big in the future. It also raises some questions actually about the legalities involved, maybe because it's not an actual legal entity. So Maybe the people who hold the governance tokens are going to get unlimited liability for the actions of the DAO. That's, I, I guess that's still very, we have not really decided the regulations yet, right? I don't think the regulation is figured out. I don't think the concept of limited and unlimited liability 
should apply here because a smart contract can only lose the money it has. And if the smart contract doesn't have money, then it can't lose the money. And the DAO just gives you the ability to vote for changes in the smart contract and maybe share in the profits of the smart contract. So the smart contract can be programmed to send the profits that it has made, say Uniswap collects a 0.03% or whatever fee they're collecting. And that those fees may in the future be sent to all the people who hold the uni token. And so it, it might be like basically ownership of the protocol where you get to make a vote and you get profits from the protocol. But liability portion and the legalities and the regulation thing haven't really been figured out yet. There, I'm not aware of any laws that exist on this. I'm not fully convinced that there needs to be a legal system involved here because everything is good. So you know what's going to happen anyway. So you don't really need regulation to protect people because the regulation is the smart contract itself. You know what the smart contract is going to do. If you take the laws for companies today, a lot of these laws are meant to protect shareholders from the board of directors going rogue or the board of directors doing something that is not in the interests of the company and things like that. And here that is not possible because there are no board of directors. It's always the governance token holder who is making the decision. And of course, the smart contract executing them exactly how it said it would because the code is public and the code can't change. Of course, there are risks for being rug pulled and things like that. So this technology is still being figured out, but it has come a long way. And I think Aragon makes it really easy to start a doubt. I think, like you said, it can be done very, very fast in like a couple of minutes, in fact. The trick Another good is thing to... about... Go ahead. Another good thing about DAOs is that users are, you know, we get to be owners now. So that's a really cool thing. Of course. And if that wasn't the case, then it wouldn't really be decentralized finance. It would just be finance on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right. And beyond governance too, um, DeFi has a lot of new product categories. Like one thing that's being developed very quickly is insurance. And everyone knows what insurance is, where you have, you're at risk for some kind of loss and you don't want to bear that risk. So you pay an insurance company a premium and that insurance company is going to make you whole. It's going to pay you your losses in case that risk actually happens. So for example, if you're a farmer and you're worried about whether or not it's going to rain enough for your crops, then you might buy rainfall insurance. And if it actually does not rain, then the insurance company would pay you whatever money you would have made had it rained properly. So that's how insurance works. And we are trying to port the same system into the blockchain. And there's a company which is pioneering this. It's called Nexus Mutual. And it's an actual company, at least for now. At this point, it's an actual company. And you can they have a token called NXM token, and you can only buy that token if you've done the KYC with them in person and you get ownership of the company in real life. And what this company, so far what they're doing is they're providing smart contract and risk insurance where if there's a bug in smart contract code and you lose money, then this company will refund you. In the sense, it is going to give you an insurance on that risk and you will be paid out your insurance amount. This system is still being completely figured out. They're, they haven't expanded beyond smart contract risk yet, but in the future they will cover more, I assume. 
And this field as a whole, decentralized insurance, is very promising because it can provide insurance for just about anything. If there is demand for something, then an oracle can supply truthful information on it. And then there can be insurance on it. For example, if you take air flight insurance, what happens if a flight crashes? So you can buy insurance or whether or not a flight will crash. And if it does, then the decentralized contract is going to pay you out. And if it doesn't, then it gets to keep the premium that you paid it. So that is what decentralized insurance is trying to accomplish. And the biggest player and the most pioneering member here protocol is Nexus Mutual, which is covered very extensively in our course. I think we have about five hours of material on decentralized insurance because it's just very interesting. And it's a completely different product category from everything that we covered before, like the lending protocols, the exchanges, the prediction markets. This is a different thing. I think decentralized insurance is a very big leap in the sense uh, because traditional insurance companies are very averse to actually making payouts. So they try to find loopholes and all of these things in your insurance contract. So it's it's better that this has become trustless now. Definitely. In fact, I heard a case where there was a guy who had car insurance and someone crashed into his car. And the insurance company didn't want to pay him out because the insurance was a big amount. So the insurance company was essentially funding the litigation against him. So the insurance company was paying the lawyers for the guy who was fighting against the guy who had paid the insurance, like who had bought the insurance, just so that the insurance company does not have to pay this guy out. So insurance company can be very, insurance companies can be very, very unethical and it's a very good thing to see that it's becoming decentralized. Decentralized, yeah, you're right. And the technology hasn't fully been figured out yet and they haven't expanded to a lot of niches outside of smart contract risk. But eventually they will. Eventually they will cover everything, say rainfall or whatever, and people can buy insurance on everything they want without having to go through a complex process of KYC and then finding an insurance agent, paying them commission. And it's going to be cheaper because we don't have all these costs. So it's going to be more efficient. What happens in traditional insurance is that you go to, let's say, a bank and then you pay them. The bank takes a commission. The insurance agent has to be paid a salary. These guys keep in, you know, advertising the insurance on TV. So all of those money has to be paid out. So the premium that you are paying is has to cover the, that money. It has It has to be high. But if that premium can be lower and since in a smart contract insurance system won't have as much expenses then you can get a much cheaper insurance and the insurance company you can trust it because it's all decentralized it's on the blockchain yeah that does sound very promising and finally i would we would be covering capital raising into the course and here If you take a small company now and they have to raise money to start the business, they have to go to a venture capital firm or an investment bank or whoever to actually raise the money. And we can do the same thing in DeFi. We have things like ICOs, which is initial coin offering or security token offerings and initial DEX offering. And all of this is done on the blockchain. So people who want to start, say, a new protocol or a new company or new whatever, they can raise money directly on the platform itself. They can raise money on the blockchain 
they can create a smart contract which takes in say ethereum and gives away some governance or whatever utility token they're giving away so they don't need an investment bank or they don't need a vc if they have a community who wants to help them they can directly raise funds from that community without having to worry about some middleman or some guy who has to give them money so that they can start their business so all of these things exist and of course everything has its risks there have been rug pulls and fake projects and these things are still developing there are security token offerings which are more regulated there are bonding curve offerings and these things are still being worked on but overall if you take decentralized finance it pretty much replaces the centralized financial system and i would say it makes it better in several ways it reduces costs it makes the system more transparent and you don't have to take anyone's permission you don't have to do things like kyc you don't have to get a broker you don't have to open accounts with people and pay them fees or whatever this is the cheapest way to do it and this is trustless anyone can do it anyone can just make a wallet and then start using these products it's very simple and this at least what i think is the future of finance ash do you have any questions or anything that you didn't understand and i would be happy to answer them um i think i understood everything i the one thing that i really like about decentralized finance is that it removes geographical restrictions so anybody can raise money from anywhere like how you were talking about the like earlier if you had to raise money uh, you were restricted geog- geographically because of regulations and all of that stuff so that's a really cool thing for the company and for individuals like you and me we couldn't invest in like high risk venture capital stage startups if we wanted to like in traditional finance but with decentralized finance we can do that so we get the opportunity to participate uh in an area which was earlier just available to like high net worth individuals or only other companies so that's uh, a really good feature you're correct actually i should have mentioned that as well so for example in traditional finance if you have to raise money or you, let's say that you're a random guy your average person like me and google is raising money and google is let's say this is 2000 1997 i think and google is raising money they're going to raise it from venture capital and people like that and hna individuals and people like me and you are going to be excluded because we're just not at that level yet and this allows companies to raise money from everyone without going through a bunch of regulation and it just makes everything very simple and like you said there are no geographical limitations anyone can participate and anyone essentially anyone can use it there are no no requirements whatsoever if you have a wallet and you have you meet say you have some ethereum in that wallet then you can interact with this system and it's that simple I agree. I think that eventually over the long run as crypto replaces fiat and the banking system this entire thing I'm not fully convinced whether banks could even exist in say 15 years. Why would we need them? Everything would be yeah. crypto and smart contracts and DeFi. Everything would be decentralized. We yeah. would replace the system. It just feels like the It's natural evolution the of banking you know like <laughs> yeah like how crypto is a natural evolution of money yeah, why need, we don't need a decentralized finances feels like sorry yeah you don't need a middleman 
well decentralized finance is basically finance for crypto and it has the crypto principles where it's trustless and permissionless and for yeah. those of you who want to learn more about this please take our course it's on teachyourselfcrypto.com t e a c h y o u r s e l f c r y p t o.com the course is completely free it's very high quality it doesn't require you to know any technology at all we teach you everything from the beginning to the end we teach you from the start like what is a bitcoin what is a hash function what it's doing what is ethereum what all the terms mean what is the protocol what is the mechanism being followed everywhere and we're going to take you from the beginning the zeroth step to the hundredth step so check the course out i i bet you will enjoy it and you will understand it even even your grandma could understand it it's that simple and you will have fun because this is the future this is the time to learn about the future because if you don't learn about it now you will have to learn about it much later and the opportunities will be fewer so check it out and let me know what you guys think and in the comments below and please click the thumbs up button we do this for you guys and you will enjoy the course have a good day